I was always wanting to kind of make some kind of sculpture on stage, <laughs> get some stones out and lie down. Arts Council Profiles. Hello and welcome to this, our November episode of Arts Council Profiles. Kicking off our November season looking at art and nature is this interview recorded back in July with performance artist, filmmaker and ceramicist Amelia Pratt. So can we start off by you describing your practice to me, please? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'd say in a nutshell, I'm I'm a performance artist, um, but it stretches across many different mediums. I started uh, my practice when I was younger and it was just focusing mainly on, on theatre and straight acting. Um, but I was always heavily influenced by photography and by fine art. Um, so when I decided to go into further education, I was considering drama school, but I wanted to actually find a course that could continue both practices almost and somehow uh, bridge the two. So I found a performance and visual arts course mm-hmm. at Brighton. Um, and that's where I, yeah, I really heavily kind of became influenced by performance art and was able to do a lot of research um, and experimentation. For my degree, I was collaborating with another artist called uh, Kitty Dalton and we actually started a theatre company called Beetle and Bird and we were a double act, a theatre company heavily influenced by performance art. So uh, we were experimenting a lot. Yeah, like I say, it was it was heavily influenced by kind of, yeah, performance art practice and um, by fine art as well. And there was projection and, and sound. Um, and we continued working together for three years after graduating. So it was we met when we were 19 and then we stopped making work together when I was 25. So yeah, it was five, about five years. Um, and then from there it's taken me up for the, the last two years where I've been focusing more on my solo work. Um, and that's, I would say, I find at the moment that's kind of my most exciting work. It's been, it has its challenges. Um, but I learned a lot from, from working with Kitty and, um, I think we were both growing as artists and obviously those five years from 20 to 25, you learn a lot about what you want and what you don't want. Um, and we were experimenting a lot with with performance we were doing double act kind of stand-up comedy pieces that were improvised like I said we had we had made actually two plays um that were hour-long performances we were also doing durational stuff which was um the longest we ever did was a week long where we were at gallery every day um so I learned a lot from that and also about what my practice was becoming and when we decided to not make work together anymore, I was able to really focus on what I wanted. So that's what my solo work is very much about. Um, and 
I think also there's there's many reasons why, but I also then started to look into film as well, um, which is a very recent thing. Other than we actually did, Kitty and I did explore film um, with Beetle and Bird. We made two films and we did use it a lot with documentation because we were directing our own work and we didn't, have, often we were in the rehearsal space and we needed to look back on footage Um but we also experimented with, yeah, with film. Um, but before then, I think I'd always been very much into the live and that was kind of a, almost like a religious element to my work. It had to be live. Um, and that's what I found the most challenging and exciting, whereas I would say that's there's quite a big shift now um, and I'm focusing far more on film. And maybe that has something to do with being a solo artist um it's easier to have an element of control um because of the kind of editing process and things like that um but also um other than film um i have i've also experimented a lot with writing as well um when i was younger i i did actually write some plays um some kind of more traditional full-length again plays um which was selected for like young writing competitions and things um so there was a time when I was considering maybe being a play playwright and I obviously used those skills with Beetle and Bird um and then after graduating whilst we were experimenting with Beetle and Bird I was also trying to pursue some kind of spoken word performance um career but not really a career it was just obviously that kind of whole world was quite booming and I happened to join the roundhouse um poetry collective and in that time we were able then I I worked on a project for a year with the roundhouse with other writers um and that was amazing to also be able to develop that that kind of um path I suppose with writing so yeah the, and I feel that there's also there are similarities and like a strong link with performance art in some ways and um just that like live and raw element um and that also just exposing yourself a lot a lot of the time it's it's um very personal the things that people are talking about and I think there's an element of that with for me with, with performance art um and then finally i would just i just wanted to add that the most recent work that i've been making is ceramics like you mentioned and that was um two years ago i was in, introduced to ceramics and that's been a really really nice and interesting medium to experiment with um alongside life and um yeah using my body to then be able to use clay and build stuff with my hands is, is really exciting as well yeah so, definitely yeah, a lot of <laughs> to discuss but. yeah many things in the pot so it's really so I'm really interested in that move from a like sort of like a religious following of live work mm -hmm. into your practice very much being focused on recorded or on the making of physical things um so I'm wondering going right back to the beginning mm -hmm why it was live performance or maybe what was influencing you mm -hmm. to be involved in live performance if you can 
think back to where why that started when that started um it started when I was very young to be honest um and that was with acting straight acting um which is the term actress is something that I moved away from I would say quite quickly um but from 14 I was lucky enough to go to a performing arts school so that's where I was doing yeah straight acting theatre um maybe three times a week at school so I had a lot of experience with doing um you know plays and things like that um but like I said I wanted to move away from that actress role and that was definitely when I started to think about performance art or just being my own director or being in control of what I was representing on stage um I definitely was frustrated um by kind of typecasting and um some of the roles that were available say with Shakespeare and things like that um which is obviously I deeply respect but at the same time when you're a young teenager growing up in London um and a woman as well and you're seeing what's available and you can I yeah for me I just I didn't want to get typecast and this was happening very young when you were at Brit yeah so I was I was it was between 14 and 18 and um yeah I didn't want to get typecasted but at the same time I did love acting I did I did love performing um so yeah that's why I wanted to continue a performance practice but I didn't want to go to drama school I didn't want to continue having a director asking me to do things I didn't necessarily agree with um and also feeling like the material i.e like scripts or mm-hmm. shape, like what what was there wasn't really exciting you as much yeah. as maybe well I obviously with with that that same time from 14 to 18 I was writing a lot so I also felt like I was able to maybe have an element of control there with I I wrote a few things that I performed in and with friends I also performed with and yeah I think that's I was excited by I wanted to be able to represent myself basically and what I believed in and um and have that element of freedom I suppose um it, there's something about honesty that I've always been really excited by about truth which are obviously quite abstract words but at the same time that's quite at the heart of what I the, about being on stage when you're extremely vulnerable um but being yourself and and you know there's like method acting and all of yeah the all of these different practices you can have but um finding that line between being you and then also the role that you're supposed to be playing um, and the the live quality of being with an audience as well um, and having them respond to you. Uh, I think, yeah, from having that experience from, you know, those four years at Brit, um, it allowed me to actually build up a huge amount of confidence on stage as well. I didn't really have stage fright because I was so young um, which again is something that's changed. I, def- I have I de- developed it in uh, when I was in my like early twenties, and that's because of kind of personal reasons, just things that change in your life. Um, but yeah, I um, I think that was also part of it. Is about having that kind of ballsy guts of being on stage and 
yeah, there's a there's something really exciting about that and a thrill and um, so that's that's about the live that, um, and it's the opposite. It's the opposite of what I was seeing every day on television or um, yeah, just culturally what's happening with everything um, you know from social media to um, yeah to film and things like that. I I just at that time in my life I was very much about yeah raw honest live work I did some kind of clowning courses as well and um was quite excited by that at one stage of of yeah the aspect of clowning and and what that is or, or mime and just sets as well and I'm quite fascinated by sets and what you a, an environment that you can create for an audience I was I was very much about pleasing an audience which has also changed but but then there was that element of you know giving someone that pleasure or you know of a of a brand new experience which I think was something that I had experienced as a child going to the theatre and you know you think oh I want to give that as a gift to other people and it's like an out-of-body experience um that you can create for people uh, so, yeah, those are the types of things that kind of made me really love live work. So I was wanting to talk a little bit more specifically about your process. Mm-hmm. Um, is it something that... So in the last two years where you've been doing predominantly solo work, is it something that's... you've got a similar form you follow for each thing or is it very different? Um, what, for each different performance? Yeah, within the last... Two years. Yeah. Um, I think just to say, from before those two years, I definitely was from kind of having rehearsal spaces and having to, you know, if I was working with other people, mm-hmm. there was so many different kind of li- limitations I found from that type of process. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to make this these two years. Um, all my future work just as kind of easy in some ways as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I, like I said earlier, I could find myself just saying, oh, that's, I can't do that because of that, or that's too difficult, so I can't do that. Um, and then I just won't make anything. So for me, right, these two years of, like I said, been very much just about experiments and making work and producing stuff, make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the process... Yeah, like I said, I, I've, I've had a recent idea, um, but really, if I there's times when obviously there's like a really real dry period where you just don't you don't have any ideas or any concepts or any feelings, and that's quite tough. Um, but from I would say my process, a lot of my work stems from travel, and it's um, about being in a new environment. Um, and often when I travel, I do go to kind of hotter climates and in, yeah, by the coast or, um, yeah, and like big kind of landscapes. And that's fueled a lot of my work and made my work what it is. But I also went to Moscow, which is obviously a very different experience to a beach kind of location. And I made work there and I started to to almost see that as part it's definitely now part of my process it's a kind of challenge of getting to a place and being there and responding to that environment um 
so that's what um that's that's definitely yeah a huge part of, of my process um and I the last kind of times I've actually traveled it hasn't come naturally to me and there's also that obstacle of who's going to document the work and that's a challenge that I face constantly um with whether it's a man or a woman to whether you know is it then their work or is it still my work um will they document it in the way I want all of these kind of questions so also is anyone actually up for doing it um and I need to kind of I'm in a period now in my life where I actually need to find people that I can collaborate with and I've been trying to build relationships um and with working with Marius it was amazing because often like I said it would just be we'd be out somewhere and then an idea would come and it would be very much in the moment and that was what made the work so energetic for me um and yeah it really captured something whereas now I've had to shift because he's focusing very much on his own practice um that more kind of organizing contacting people and asking people to be involved and things like that that definitely changes the work um but yeah so I'd say um I would say travel is a big part of my process and just the everyday walking the high street and very instinctual yeah, definitely. And as immediate as possible. Yeah, that's with with some pieces. And um, then I decided to do this, the film um, Melancholy, which was an idea and a concept that had been hanging around for quite a long time. And that was far more planned. And that was with a camera, you know, that was with the whole camera crew. And um, we had the date set and... I had to get loads of melons and I had to do a lot of organizing. So I, I worked on that, but I, and I'm, I love, I love it. But at the same time now I've kind of want, I want to go back to keeping that more, um, yeah, like spontaneous element. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. And, um, moving away from practical constraints, is that spontaneity something which has, um, like creatively in your own internal process? Because I'm guessing it's something that's so instinctual and spontaneous, you're trying not to second guess it. Mm -hmm. You're just going for it. And is that, something which, is that something which has only really come about in your solo work? Was that Did that exist earlier? It, it did. Yeah. yeah, it did exist earlier. We um, With Beetle and Bird, we did a lot of um, improvised performance. Mm -hmm. um, like double act kind of slapstick stuff that mm -hmm. we had a vague idea, but really we were getting up on stage and just doing it and seeing what would happen. Um, and that was obviously a very, that was part of the process. Um, uh, you know, that's what made the work what it was. Um, and that, that I suppose for me, that's again, going back to the kind of honest truth in the moment, live work and it having that raw quality um, and to not, rehearse something over and over and over and over again until it could be kind of completely dried out. And I'm interested in how much a part of, uh, like, discussion has been a part of the work, like how how questioning you are of it during the process, like... Um, well... I, I guess that applies to your earlier stuff more than your immediate stuff well, now. Well, say with White Flag, um, 
which is mainly photographs, um, but there is actually film, um, and that's that was set in that was shot in in Cyprus, and that piece of work I knew the location. It was on these kind of big white chalky. It's like a big kind of white chalky cliffs or landscape. Um, and I had another performance I actually wanted to do there still, but I just need to go back to Cyprus. Um, but we were coming to the end of our stay and I wanted to, I wanted to make a piece of work there. Um, and I actually had this huge white shirt dress and I was saying, oh, maybe I could wear this. I really want like a big sheet or something. And it was, this is in the morning. And um, anyway, we were rushing to get to the beach um, and drive which someone else was giving us a lift. So I just grabbed like a blue swimsuit um, and the whole way I was just like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was discussing doing this performance that now I really want to do, which is rolling um, just along the cliffs and then actually the chalk from the stone it will make your body white. But the guy that Marius' cousin said, oh, no, don't do that. You can't get this on your skin. And I just kind of listened and was like, okay, but now I really want to do it. Anyway, so I was thinking, okay, maybe I'll do that. But I had this idea and had said to Marius, oh, you know, it'd be so good. I just want this, like, some white sheet, like something, like, really big. Anyway, we're driving. We get to the beach, which is um, about 10 minutes away from where I um, shot this performance. And we're walking along and it's like 40 degrees. It's in Cyprus and it's boiling, boiling hot. And um, and we we get to the spot that we wanted to do it and there's a big stick and attached to the stick is this white sheet. And it was just there and it was just unreal, to be honest. And that was a quite a special moment, obviously, for me and... I was just like, whoa, wow, this is amazing. It's actually here. It's kind of meant to be. Um, and then I go to pick up the sheet and the stick and I said to Mary, just start documenting it. Just this is this is it. So it's very much like that then becomes the work. So he'll kind of find a place. And then I picked the, the stick up. And from then it's kind of that's what creates the performance and... Um, the wind obviously creates the movement and then it was like wow and it was experimenting with with the sheet um and yeah and um just moving it around that space and then obviously creating different images and in once we'd made the piece that's when I looking at the work I decided to call it white flag and which for me was a reference to peace and obviously looking at that ocean and with the kind of whole, the whole refugee crisis that's happening and thinking of, yeah, being on an ocean and doing something that in a lot of ways is actually quite elitist. And it's obviously like the performance art world is, you know, the art world and it's, um, that act isn't, but to be so aware of behaving in a way like that when actually there's a huge, huge huge crisis taking place um and yeah that was kind of that was the piece of work um but so that just explains that's one example of how a process for that worked and yeah sorry were you well um 
this thing about how much your work is informed by the natural world, by the environments you're in, predominantly landscapes in the natural world. Mm. Um, is that something that you've always, you always had that? Have you always felt very close to environments? Or? Yeah, I would say so. Um, yeah, with earlier work, I was we were often using stones and found objects. Um, we were living in Brighton. We walked often. Either, I mean... I would say I'm trying to merge the two of I'm from a city, I grew up in a city. Um, and I think that sometimes the lands- a natural landscape that's very beautiful is a bit of an easy way out. <laughs> I, with photographs I have taken in the summer in, with amazing light, they come out far better than any kind of grey, bleak one that I take in London. So... I've tried to kind of set myself challenges as well of actually making work in the city. Um, but, yeah, the... Um, yeah, the natu- nature's been a huge part of, of my work, even from as a child. I've, I've loved stones. Um, and, um, yeah, I would say my grandparents, my grandma, my nan, she, she absolutely loved stones as well, and there's lots of things that I would play with in that way. And, yeah, I can see how it's kind of been throughout my work always. Mm. It's beautiful. Um, And I'm interested in... Other than the natural world or environments or challenges you're bringing yourself by environments you're making work in, is there anything else you feel is, like, consciously driving you'll need to make work? Mm, I think before with... Because I can't... I, you know, obviously it's solo work now, but there's a huge history with Kitty and with Beaten and Bird, and we were definitely driven by this kind of the outsiders or the invisible or, you know, the unseen that makes up such a huge part of the world and the city and um we were always yeah we we were actually very influenced by mental health as well um but just the kind of looking at the high street and seeing that as as a film or that's where we took a lot of inspiration and just from the work that we were doing sorry the actual day jobs that we had um that's that's been a massive influence. Um, I'm really sorry. What, can what? you remember the question? <laughs> I'm just thinking how I got into that. I was asking about what's driving you at the moment, other than yeah. So the yeah. So so that was. I suppose it was that bridge of how I mentioned about this kind of elitism beforehand, or being educated, being part of yeah like being living in a very fortunate lucky situation and being quite conscious of that um and then feeling like morally you have a duty if you have seen a lot of suffering in you know many different forms but also poverty also just which can be also extremely close to all of us um and it's about that's kind of a political message in a way of trying to show things, um, obviously artistically, but um, yeah, just 
that's a major that was a major driving force with Kitty and I. It was about yeah trying to give a voice to, and you know maybe they didn't they've got their own voice or they who are these people, but it's like that's yeah a huge driving force of of what I was about and what yeah like amplifying things you felt you felt were unseen yeah and just and just like the kind of there's obviously the kind of sad emotional aspect to that but also the real kind of real reality of it and the the humor with it as well and there's that kind of fine line between those things what day jobs were you doing that you well I my first day job when I was young was working in a pharmacy Mm. um and I was obviously I was at school um and to, that's where I would you know be on stage and performing and one of my the, one of the my final pieces when I was 18 at Brit school I was um the like the lead in a performance um that was heavily based on on mental health it was on kind of um the act, the main character had um then it was bipolar um and that was the role that i was exploring um a lot um but it, you know being a young person being watched in the audience and then i was then starting to walk to my job on the high street um just locally to where i grew up and being completely invisible and just being like just a standard teenager and I think that's when I started to also think of who stands out on the high street and who doesn't um and then working in the pharmacy I mean I've got endless stories of yeah different people the types of people that I was engaging with and serving but also just people I grew up with my family you know everyone's just normal and everyone's living their lives in some way um but that was one that was the start of that kind of mundane job of like dusting stuff that doesn't need to be dusted and yeah just serving um but it also was serving medicine and things like that so to ill people that were maybe ill or had addictions um and then from there um i had um i i, I worked in kind of cafes and stuff and then bars and Luckily, I was able to work in theatres and galleries, but I also worked while studying as a care worker for a year, um, and that was um, a massive... It has influenced me hugely because it was working with vulnerable adults and elderly adults, um, elderly people that, um, yeah, live at home and need personal care on a daily basis. So I I was obviously building quite strong relationships with these people and seeing people in very vulnerable positions um, and hearing a lot of stories and and seeing inside people's homes. And that's, yeah, that's definitely influenced my work and also the lack of funding, the lack of money that was there and then seeing mega rich and a lot of wealth and yeah that that kind of conflicting those feelings mm-hmm. and then where you're showing your artwork as well or where you're showing your performance and the audiences that you're showing them to and what experiences they've had and yeah just that feeling of 
you know, am I exploiting somebody or am I... Like, yeah, why am I... People laughing at the wrong place and you're thinking that's not actually meant to be funny, but that's what that audience thinks is funny or... Yeah, it's there's so many, so many things. But, um, yeah, for me, that's a massive part. It's like I do... I am definitely trying to be as aware as I can be of the world that we're living in. Um, also, I can't take the weight of that world on, but I am, I am trying to to have subtle kind of messages that, yeah, mm. um, within everything I'm making. Mm. Yeah, and is it something that sits quite naturally with you to be someone that is both aware of the world you're living in? of the climate you're living in, and to be an artist. Yeah, definitely. It's ha- it's had a huge impact on my practice, the world that we're living in right now with, yeah, like I've, we've already discussed, lack of funding and lack of time, lack of space. Um, but that's all choices of living in this city. But then it's also the city I grew up in. Um but yeah, it's also then there's that question of should I be making work? Is this actually contributing to anything? There's far better causes that you could be contributing to. Um, yeah, I mean that's a daily kind of question and yeah. struggle and yeah, and then but then there is the, yeah that constant of knowing that that's what also makes me who I am and that's no matter what job I end up having in life I hope it will continue to be making artwork but if I end up going down a different route I know I still will always express myself and document I can't really stop now like it's so yeah it's a part of your daily existence yeah definitely I always have a disposable camera on me I'm taking photos daily I'm writing daily I'm yeah, and then hopefully we'll be when I have the time and energy and concept, I'll yeah make work as much as I can. So does it, and is it still something that even though you've kind of been able to build this situation where making work is like daily practice and happens anytime anywhere, mm. is it still a frustration for you that? the other practical confines like i.e if you need space or if you need money is it yeah i mean it definitely was it really used to be money yeah i mean i've got an exhibition coming up um at the end of august beginning of september and there's there isn't any money with that and that's frustrating it's like you know you have to do your day jobs to to fund your art job your art career um yeah that's that's definitely frustrating and that's definitely something that's also made me question if what I'm doing is worthwhile but then you don't want to be either personally don't want to be driven by money and I know it's a priority we obviously all need it but I don't find it the most satisfying thing Mm. um so financially yeah it would be great to have some support financial support um and to get that recognition would be really um yeah I don't know it'd be a nice experience but other than that lack of space and things like that now I feel um I don't need it necessarily and I often actually use like the how I move house quite a lot and 
I often use the new house. I often get a new idea there and I'd use what I have. And I think that that's something that I learned on my course, definitely with theatre making as well as instead of seeing things as challenges, just see them as opportunities exactly and that actually really helps drive you and can create some exciting results that you wouldn't expect so yeah that's more just trying to have a positive outlet on outlook on things um okay so trying it up a little bit I'm quite interested in um what's in the near future What's making you excited? What are you looking forward to in your own work? Um, there's going to be a lot of change, um, actually, um, just because I'm going to be moving house um, in a month's time and I am actually going to be moving home for, um, I, yeah, back to my parents, just hopefully not for a huge amount of time, but... Um, that is going to free up a huge amount of money um, instead of putting it into rent. Um, so the plan is to potentially put that into making some new work. Um, also, I have an exhibition coming up that I mentioned previously, which is really exciting. It's the first... Well, I had an exhibition at the beginning of this year, which was of one of Melancholy, the film, performance film that I made. Um, this is actually documentation of performances and it's also uh, photographs I've taken. Um, so that's, I'm really excited about that. Um, and I'm also um, in, I'm collaborating with a filmmaker um, and we're in the second round of, that is someone that has got funding and um, from Random Max Channel 4, um, and we're hoping to find out whether we're going to be able to make another film, and that'll be with a 10 grand budget. So that's double um, what we we made the last film with, which was a five grand budget, um, and that's an artist that I yeah really respect, and he's, he's actually a kind of theatre dance, he's in the theatre dance world, he's a choreographer and director, and an actor and he's very <laughs> really really talented um and yeah we both kind of started that world of l looking at film and thinking oh it'd be quite nice to maybe explore dance on film or theatre on film or um so that's somebody I made a project with last uh, late last year and we're hoping to make another one um and with just the nature of random acts or first acts just even the title being random is i find really exciting and that's kind of what that's definitely something that is in, within my work and um yeah so hopefully we're going to find that out next week and that would be an amazing project and um yeah i want to travel and try and get some residencies is my aim um and if I can do that together, that would be amazing. Um, uh, yeah, I think, and yeah, just some little projects, one-off projects that I have going on. Um, and I think that's that's basically it. Just one other thing. I think it's, it's like really, um, I think it's really important and really like energising to have been talking about how optimistic you kind of are with 
practical constraints, not like having found a way where you don't feel constrained anymore by like situations you're in and actually make you making use of it. And, mm. and, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just interested in if, is that something you feel like you've really had to learn since Beetle and Bird stopped working because of that? Is it something, was it, was it something you had to regain? Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, we, but it's been in us. It was, it was very much within the, the nature of Beetle and Bird. It was, you know, we, we, like I told you, we only had, we got funding once. Um, and other than that, we were just completely supporting ourselves. Um, but I did have and that kind of, I I knew I wanted to make work. I still wanted to make work and explore um, solo work and also collaborate with people, other people. Um, so, yeah, it's just changing the mindset. And it, trust me, it hasn't always been in, like, this really positive <laughs> outlet. I'm in a good mood today. <laughs> no, I, obviously, it's 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 definitely... Um, yeah, you've, you have you have to train yourself a bit, definitely, um, and just not let it. Um, yeah, you, I mean, I've just listened to a lot of successful people or p- artists I really respect, deeply respect, and not the majority of them didn't start from you know they they everyone starts somewhere, don't they? Yeah. and you have to start from scratch and and take risks and I feel like I'm still yet to take some risks I'm I'm um I haven't got any huge loans other than my student loan but maybe one day I'll you know there's I want to make some big budget stuff and I hope it happens um but yeah it's about just exploring and experimenting and and yeah I've allowed that to kind of make it yeah my work what it is yeah but I would say it's always there's been an element of that always within me. Um, but obviously, when you're studying and things that changes things slightly, um, yeah, yeah. Because I think when you're studying, it's quite a golden experience, really, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I'm pleased as well that that if I am to do an MA next year, mm. um, if I'm lucky enough to get one that I want, then. Um, yeah, it's taken me some time as well. So I was thinking of doing an MA from when I first graduated, but mm. that was when I was 22, 21, 22. And now I'm 27. It's like, you have to, you have to have the shit times to actually really appreciate the good. And I think doing like jobs that you don't want to be doing makes you then think, well, when you do study, actually, let's hope you really focus on that studying and make make it, use it in the best way possible. Yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Arts Council Profiles. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to catch Amelia's work in her exhibition Landworks, at Radio London Shoreditch until early next year. You can follow her via her Instagram and website, all under Amelia Pratt. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like us and rate us, follow us, share us, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time.